0: can lift up my voice because God's already given me the victory hallelujah Woo! thank you Jesus Woo! somebody just shout hallelujah, hallelujah. somebody just shout hallelujah. hallelujah my God it feels so good in the house of the Lord tonight I just feel such I feel the electricity of the Holy Ghost just moving all across this house something begins to happen when God moves your situation can change in an instant you can be healed right now you can be set free right now when God begins to move thank you Jesus let's clap our hands one more time all across this house thank you Jesus amen amen y'all can make your way back to your seats for just a few moments thank you Jesus I have the distinct privilege and honor (laughs) to deliver the word of the Lord to you tonight. I'm so very, very, very grateful for God and all that he's done for me. And I'm so very thankful for our very own bishop. Bishop, I love you so much. Thank you. Y'all, we have such a great man of God. You know, just a little testimony concerning about what Brother Leal said. I'm just going to take a quick shortcut real quick. That's how you know our man of God knows exactly what he's doing. Because when he felt to go out to that that Sunday night outreach, when he felt impressed that we should go out and reach the lost, that night, that night we met that man. That man might not have been there, but let me tell you, when you have a man of God who seeks the face of the Lord, you can put your trust in the man of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. I've never been in a situation where our bishop has never led me wrong. I, I can put my trust confidently in our bishop. Let's just clap our hands one more time. We, set, we have a great God and a great man of God. Amen. And, a, and an incredible first lady. Amen. First lady, I love you. To those people who are new here, I, I have some information to tell you. I know we don't look alike, but I am actually... Uh, the William's oldest son. I am uh, adopted. That's right. And uh, that's certainly how it feels. So, we have. that's right. <laughs> Y'all weren't ready for that. Yes. Anyways, and I just want to say a great big thank you to my wife. She's incredible. Thank you so much, babe. I love you. Yes. Hey, Amen. Amen. Naeem, I don't know where you're at, but when you spoke on Tuesday, I felt like God just dropped something in my spirit, and I just couldn't shake it. And then Bishop asked me to preach, and I just, I mean, all throughout the day, even the day before, right before uh, Bishop, you know, texted me and asked me to preach, I just felt like I couldn't get this phrase out of my mind and just, God's so good. Amen. Amen. Let's stand all across this house. Let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to begin at verse number 1. If you have it, say amen. I know that was kind of fast on you. I'll give you just a quick second. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy our brother unto the church of God, which is in Corinth, with all the saints which are in Achaia, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as our suffering for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ and whether we be afflicted it is for your consolation and salvation which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer or whether we be comforted it is for your consolation and salvation and our hope of you is steadfast knowing that ye are partakers of sufferings so shall ye be also of the consolation. Now I just want to read that. I want to read that in a, in a transliteration, the New International Version. And I'm just going to start from verse number 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. And I'm wondering if we can just lift our hands real quick in the presence of the Lord and just go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, open up our, our hearts, our minds, our understanding, Jesus. God, give us ears to hear tonight. Lord, that your word may fall on good soil, Jesus, on good ground. Lord, and let it germinate, Jesus. God, and let it begin to produce fruit of your spirit. And God, I'm asking you, anoint this vessel of clay. Anoint my lips of clay, Jesus. God, let me be a vessel unto honor to you tonight, Jesus. And Lord, by the end of the night, let you get all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. And somebody clap your hands and say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For just a few moments, I would like to preach for you tonight. I don't know how long I'm going to be. When God trusts you with trouble, when God trusts you with trouble, God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Diamonds are the hardest known material on the planet. I know you may seem that your stubborn friend's mind is the hardest thing on the planet, but let me tell you that's not true. Diamonds are the hardest known natural material on the planet. Its hardness depends on its purity. So the purer the properties, the greater the strength will be in that diamond. A diamond that has poor quality, I mean, if you think of any diamond that has poor quality, a diamond is diamond still, but. Or a low level of purity can be scratched by a vinyl record. But a diamond of the strongest purity can only be cut and scratched by other diamonds. A mined natural diamond is a crystallized carbon structure that is formed beneath the earth's surface from years of the perfect conditions of heat and pressure. Diamonds are found in the earth's mantle about 100 miles below the earth's surface. Where temperatures are at least, tell your neighbor, at least 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit and pressure is or exceeds 725,000 pounds per square inch. Diamonds are valuable. The purest of diamonds are, at least. Depending on quality or the cut of diamond, one carat, a one-carat diamond can range from $2,500 to $18,000. Well, you say, that's cool. And I don't know if most of you think like me, but I'm thinking, what is the most expensive diamond? Well, I'll give you the most, the top ten. Number 10 is the Musaif Red Diamond, and that is worth up to $8 million. Yes, it's very pretty too. It's red, obviously. The Heart of Eternity is number 9 at $16 million. And then we have at number 8 the Perfect Pink, which is $23.2 million. The Wittelsbach Diamond at number 7 for $23.4 million. Now, let me just say this before I continue. Y'all, if you find a diamond of this size, you better give like 50% to the church. I'm just saying. My God, you don't need all that money. (laughs) All right? The Winston Blue, it's also a very pretty diamond, $23.8 million is its value. The Pink Star, somebody look at your neighbor and say, The Pink Star. The Pink Star is worth $71.2 million. The Centenary Diamond, is worth a hundred million dollars. That diamond is so big you can actually hold it. It's kind of like the size of a baseball, probably a baseball cut in half. That's a big diamond. And then at number three you have the Hope Diamond, which is worth two hundred to two hundred and fifty million dollars. And then you have the Cullinan, which is I believe uh, Rolls Royce is named after that, and that is worth two. Billion dollars. Yeah, my God is right. And then the, the, the number one, it's the Kohi Noor, and that price is unknown because of its value. I believe it is said it was like 185 carats. All these valuable diamonds have some commonalities. They were exposed to extreme pressure and heat, and they are of a pure quality. They are valuable. And all of the trials and troubles you go through are valuable. Everything you go through is valuable. There are reasons why you might be going through a struggle. 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, verses 6-7 through says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of, our G- of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy." There is a good reason why you're going through what you're going through. It's, it's so that not only you can become valuable, but that you can become valuable to the kingdom of God and many other reasons. Amen. <laughs> just like how the fivefold ministry is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, I believe that the trouble God has trusted us with has greater purpose than just beyond us. Your trouble goes beyond you. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, my trouble goes beyond me. You're going through something in order to help somebody else. 2 Corinthians 3 and 2 says, "Ye ye are epistles written in our hearts known and read of all men. People may not read the Bible, but let me tell you something, they read you. When you go on your job every day working nine to five, those people might not have opened up a Bible in years, but let me tell you something, they watch you because we're epistles read and known of all men. You have to understand the way you react and the way everything is. People are watching to see response. Woo. Our perspective needs to change. The way we look at our trouble needs to change. Our responses to our troubles need to change. Amen. Let's take a look at a few examples of God trusting people with some trouble. Somebody say Job. Job has been coming up a lot lately. I don't know why. Maybe for a good reason. Job was a perfect and upright man. One that feared God and eschewed or avoided evil. Now, for just a few moments, I want you to think about a man of God. I want you to think about a man of God. Someone like Bishop, Bishop Wilson, I mean, you name it, Bishop Booker, Cornelius Williams. Think about a man of God, right? This is the kind of guy Job was. He was all that and a bag of chips. I mean, he was upright. He was perfect. His, his suit was fresh. You know, he had, he had a nice tie. He had some clean shoes. He had that Schuyler or Allen Bible, wide margin Bible. He had everything. <laughs> If there was such a thing as a Christian in the Old Testament, besides Jesus, this was the guy. This was the guy with the man with the plan. Job was doing everything right. And you know the story. One day the sons of God presented themselves before God. Satan came as well and God asked him, where have you been? Now, what's funny to me is God is omniscient. God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. So... This this is very this is this intrigues my mind right here because God asks says where have you been and God knows all things and I just want to remind somebody brother Trevor like he said it this morning the devil has to answer to God the devil still has to come and bow his knee before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Amen and I love I love the story I love how they're breaking it down who I, Job if you wrote it you did a good job and this is what it says and I believe y'all just Come with me on my imagination, in my imagination station. I believe, you know, the sons of God present themselves and here's old boy Lucifer or whatever you want to call him. And I believe God crosses his arms and he does one of these like, hast thou considered my servant Job? And immediately they they go back and forth and he says, he's perfect and upright One that fears God and eschews evil. Now, this isn't in the scripture, but I believe it was said. I believe God said, unlike somebody I know. You know, he's perfect. (laughs) So how, oh, I'm sorry. How are you doing, Satan? I'm sorry. (laughs) That's how, I believe that's what happened. It might not be true. And you know the story. If you don't, read the rest when you go home. So God allows Satan to attack Job. But let me remind somebody that the devil is nothing but a dog on a leash. That's right. That's right. He still has to come to God with his tail in between his legs and say, Master, where do you want me to go today? Don't we serve a God that's in control? Let me just remind you that the devil's on a leash tonight. That's all he is. And he's an ugly dog too. He's ugly. He's not like my dog, Subby. My dog, Subby's pretty ugly. But the devil's really ugly. Now back to my point. Reread over the story so fast that I believe we missed some key points in the scripture, Pastor Hammond. And God says, hast thou considered, hast thou considered my servant Job? And I love this because God hand-selected Job for that trial. He hand-selected, God is all-knowing, so he already knew that Job was going to come out on top. I just want to encourage somebody tonight that the trouble you're going through can just be God showing the devil that he can put his trust in you. You're a constant reminder to the devil that you serve, a God, you serve God no matter what. Your relationship with God is not based on material things. About what I can get. The fact that he saved me. The fact that he redeemed me. The fact that he set me free. That's the last thing he can do for me and I'll be grateful. Because he's done so much for me already. When you look back and think things over, you're blessed. Amen. And God puts his money on you. God puts his money on you. He in in poker, when someone's very confident in what they're doing, you know what they say? I'm all in. And this is what God said to Satan. He said, Satan, I just want you to know I'm all in on Job because I can trust Job. I know Job's going to make it through this trial. So you know what? You can do whatever you please. I know that Job's going to come out on top. And let me tell you, somebody, you might be going through a situation or struggle, but God's got his chips betted on you. God's got his trust in you. Amen. Amen. And that's why I love our response is so important to the things that happen in our lives. Because you know what Job did? He rent his clothes. He shaved his head and he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm wondering if somebody in the middle of their trouble could just say, you know what? Don't he slay me. I'll trust him. God, whatever you're doing, Lord, i put my trust in you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Somebody shout amen. Somebody, I just, I want to keep moving forward, but you know, I just feel like saying that tonight, you know, you can put your trust in God. You can trust Jesus. Jesus knows the end from the beginning. That's why I can put my trust in him. He knows every step that I'm going to take, every move that I'm going to make, every time I fall, every time I get back up, God knows. Amen. We also have three Hebrew boys. Now I'm wondering if y'all know their actual Hebrew names. And that is Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Or as we all know, because I didn't know their names either. I'm just going to be honest with you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We have three young men who more than likely witnessed their parents get killed right in front of their eyes. Right in front of their eyes. And not only that but are brought from their safe environment of home to a corrupt world of Babylon. They're given new names, new food to eat, the king's meat, a new way to dress, a new language. They needed, to learn, they needed to learn a new language and a new way of life, trying to erase their old life with God. And you know what? That's what the world will do that's what the world tries to do to us. But you know what, we have to stand firm and we have to trust in the king of kings and the lord of lords. And you know what, they kept their convictions and eventually it cost them. At least at, thought, at first they think they did. Nebuchadnezzar makes a golden image and tells everyone to bow at the sound of music. The boys didn't bow so word comes around to the king and Nebuchadnezzar calls them to talk to them and he says is it true O Shadrach Meshach and Abednego is it true that you are not bowing to the golden image that i have set up and now and this is what he does he says i'm i'm just going to i like you you know i like you i'm gonna, i'm going to give you another chance i'm going to have my musicians play the music and i'm going to have them do everything and you just go ahead and bow but this is what the three hebrew boys said they said we are not careful to answer thee in this matter if, if God be for us, he's going to save us. But you know what? If we perish, we perish. But let it be known that we won't serve and we won't bow to a golden image. And let me just pause for a minute and let me just put on my youth pastor clothes real quick. And let me just tell some young people who are in public school or in college, you don't have to bow to what they're telling you to do. Come on, they might try and change everything about you. They might ask you, why you dress like that? And why do you talk this way? But baby, you don't have to back up to the pressure. You can stand firm and say, you know what? I serve a God, brother. Let me tell you about him. That's why you don't have to bow. Let them say all that they want to say. I don't care. Let them make fun of the way you dress. Let, guess what? They're noticing you. They're watching you because you're an epistle read and known of all men. Come on, somebody. You don't have to be ashamed for the way you carry yourself in your school. God put you in that school for a reason. God put you in that school so you can reach somebody. Because you know what? Somebody's going to be looking at you and say, what's so different about him? What's so different about you, Way? I don't know what it is. And you're going to say, I know a God that saved me, that set me free, that picked me up, placed my feet on solid ground. Because that's what they try and do. I'm sorry if you believe that public school is the best education for your kids. That's a lie. You need to take your kids to RCA. But that's just me. But to those who are in public school. Don't let them try and mold you and try and make you into something you're not. You're a child of God. You're a child of the King. You've been baptized in Jesus' name. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. Thank you, Jesus. And at the end of it all, oh, and let me not let me say this. You might go through the fire, young people. It's just it is what it is. You might go through the fire, but you know what? At the end of the day, there's a fourth one in, them, in the fire with them. Let me tell you, Jesus is in every single situation. I know a God who's a God of comfort. I know a God who's with me wherever I go, in my highs and my lows. Thank you, Jesus. And at the end of the day, just like the three Hebrew boys, everyone is going to know the God that you serve. Amen. I'm almost done. Not really, somewhat. Esther, some, all the ladies shout, Esther. Yes. Esther was a beautiful young lady who had a similar story. No parents to watch her. Taken into captivity in a different environment. But an uncle by the name of Mordecai, or some people say Mordecai, I think that's really cool, who loved her like his own child. She becomes a queen, the queen of Persia, and she she gets put into this place. Of authority and eventually, turmoil breaks out as a man by the name of Haman issues a decree that at a certain date in time, all Jewish people are to be killed. The only one who can do anything about that is Esther. All the ladies shout, Esther. Eventually, she meets the king, and the decree is changed, and that whole generation is saved. And let me just talk to some young ladies real quick. Young ladies, you have access to the king. You have access to the king that not everyone can have access to. That's why, you know what, sometimes I don't, you don't need to worry about who's watching you. If you feel like you need to come in this altar and cry and let your hair down and weep before the king, let me tell you, you have special access to the king. That's why we shouldn't be ashamed of travailing and praying and weeping before the Lord. Because you know what? You have special access to the king. Only only you. Only you can talk to the king like no one else can. And she had to go through some trouble. But the whole generation was saved. And we've got to keep this apostolic message true and safe no matter what. There are some people who aren't even born yet who need to hear this gospel. And God is relying on some of us young people to keep this truth, to keep it going. That's right. God is trusting us with this message. God is trusting us with this message. Are we going to carry this message wherever we go? Are we going to go in the streets, the highways and the byways and say, I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I'm a child of God. I love living right. I love being holy. I love being separated. Thank you, Jesus. People are looking for the hope. People are looking for the hope. People, that's why people drink and they do all these things because they're trying to fill their lives with something that actually means something. But we have the true meaning of life. We have the true meaning of life. We can come up to people and say, I know you've been needing some things, but I know a God that will supply every single need. Like the opening scripture says, we serve a God of comfort. I know a God who's comforted me in my darkest hours. I know a God that will never leave me nor forsake me. Woo. Let me just say this right here. But our problem is, this is our problem. We become the victims of our troubles, and we become the victims of our situations. When we need to realize that we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and realize that we're going through something on behalf of somebody else. Can I just say it? God has put his trust in you to go through your situation. You might be sick. I don't know what you're going through, but God put his trust in you. God said, I know my child can make it through this. I know my child can make it through the valley. I know we got to stop. We're becoming a victim. We're becoming a victim of our own minds. And letting everything just tell us, I can't. I can't do this. I can't do this. But let me tell you, when God looks at you, he looks at you like the Bible says when he talked to Gideon. You're a mighty man of valor. You're a queen, young lady. And you shouldn't be treated any other way. You're a queen. Amen. Amen. But what happens... When you give in to your trouble, and you don't deal with the trouble God trusts you with, what happens? In Genesis 38, we have one of the sons of Israel. His name is Judah, the son of Israel. And he has three sons, Ur, Onan, and Shelah. And Ur has a wife, and her name is Tamar. And Ur, the Bible says, is wicked in the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord kills him because of his wickedness. And Onan is the same. He's wicked. He's wicked before the eyes of the Lord. And God takes his life. And Judah says to Tamar, he says, stay a widow and wait for my son, Shelah to be old enough. And then you can marry him. But the Bible says, and in the process of time, Judah's wife dies. And he makes his way to Timnath. And Tamar finds out about it. And I want you to pull up for me if you don't mind. Genesis 38 and verse 14. Genesis 38 and 14. And this is Tamar. And she put her widow's garment off from her and covered her with a veil. And covered her with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in an open place. Which is by the way to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown and she was not given unto him to wife. That's the first mistake right there. And if you read the story, she ends up playing a harlot. And Judah ends up having a child with Tamar. What a a bad situation. But the trouble doesn't just stop at Judah. Let me tell you, the trouble that you're dealing with, if you don't deal with it now, it's not just going to affect you. We find generations later, David who is from the tribe of Judah, is at home when the Bible says, when kings should be at war. And he looks over his balcony and he sees a young Bathsheba. And he, because of the trouble of his great, 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 so on, grandpa Judah did not deal with that trouble. Now David is in the midst of dealing with that trouble on his own. And he calls Bathsheba up, and he does the unthinkable, and she conceives and has a child. And he plans out the murder of one of his soldiers, all because it wasn't dealt with back in Judah's time. But let me tell you, the trouble does not stop there. David has children and a young daughter, coincidentally, named Tamar, and a son named Amnon. And as you say, and Amnon was in love with Tamar. He loved her. But you know what? Amnon had to struggle with the same thing that David struggled with. And you know what the Bible says? It says Amnon had a friend. And let me just tell you, your friends can lead you to heaven or they can lead you to hell. That's why you got to pick and choose your friends. You got to pick and choose your friends wisely. I don't care how nice they make you feel. The Bible, ooh, Jesus, the Bible says, oh, Lord Jesus, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful, Pastor Sloss. Your friend might be trying to butter you up, buttercup. And let me tell you, if they're going down the wrong road, you're going to go down there with them. But let me tell you, that's why you gotta, you got to choose your friends wisely. Amen. I'm sorry, that was not in my notes. Let me continue. And Amnon had a friend, and he goes, and he's grieved, and his friend's like, what's going on? And he says, I love Tamar. I love her, and I want to be with her. So then his friend says, I have an idea. Pretend you're sick, and then what you can do is ask your dad, David, to go and have Tamar specifically bring you something. And he says, all right, that's a perfect idea. And so it ends up that Amnon ends up raping his own sister Tamar, and then he gets murdered by his own brother Absalom. But let me tell you, the trouble doesn't stop there. The trouble doesn't stop there. We find a Solomon, the, the wisest man in the Bible, the wisest man in the Bible, who at the end of his life was out of his mind worshiping different gods because you know what (laughs) given a life given to idolatry idolatry because he loved his many wives that he had let me tell you somebody some parents i'm not a parent yet so my god but let me tell you something if you don't deal with the stuff you're dealing with now don't think that your baby's not going to deal with it later we find it all the way generations later. If Judo maybe would have stopped that trouble, maybe that would have never happened. But let me tell you, sometimes we think, oh, it's not going to bother them just a little bit. I'll just ease up. I'll just ease up on the gas just a little bit about my convictions about living for God. Let me tell you that things are more caught than they are taught. And your child will see you giving up on those convictions. And then you'll see your child start to do less than you. And then when you start to push your child and say, hey, we need to be going to church. Why, aren't you, why don't you want to come? Well, baby, let me tell you, the trouble that you've been dealing with has now bled into them. <laughs> come on. Come on, somebody. That's why, I gotta, that's why I know God trusts me to handle the trouble that he's given me. Whatever's going my way, I know what might seem like a bad situation, God can trust me with the trouble. Amen. 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 Music, you can come. We have a young man by the name of Joseph. Sold into slavery. He was 17 years old. Sold into slavery by his own family members. Lied on by his master's wife. Accused of being an adulterer. And then thrown in prison. Now, if that's not trouble, by golly, I don't know what is. Then he helped someone get out of prison and then was forgotten about in prison. My God, he never let it get to him, though. He kept pressing through the trouble. And eventually God elevated him to the highest position in Egypt besides Pharaoh. And eventually trouble came to his family, his family's house. And years later, they show up. And ask Joseph for help. Now, they did not realize at the time that it was Joseph. And he breaks down in front of them and he tells them that it's him, Joseph. And I love this response. Please, go with me to, we can all stand across this house. Go with me to Genesis 45 and verse number 5. This is what Joseph says. Genesis 45 and 5. This is Joseph. He says, now therefore be not grieved. ...nor angry with yourselves... ...that ye sold me hither... ...for God did send me... ...before you to preserve life. Next verse. For these two years... ...hath the famine been in the land... ...and yet there are five years... ...in the which there shall neither be... ...earing nor harvest. Next verse. And God sent me before you... ...to preserve you... ...a posterity in the earth... ...and to save your lives... A great de- deliverance. I'm sorry. One more verse, yes. So now, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Can I just tell somebody tonight that your struggle is from God? Your struggle that you're going through, maybe, maybe it's from God. And let me just tell you. We go through trouble so you can help your family get saved later down the road. We go through trouble so that maybe you can make a way. So that when your parents and your your siblings and people come to you, your family comes to you and says, I need help. And then you'll look back and say, it's that trouble. You're in the same trouble that I was in. Whew. Can I just begin to tell my little bit of my testimony? I remember I was was five and my mom and my dad got a divorce, and stuff happens, my mom didn't have enough money, so we moved from house to house, home to home, school to school, and we ended up being homeless once. And we didn't have, I remember, my last meal for that week was McDonald's. It was the, the big meal or whatever you want to call it with the pancakes and the sausage and the eggs. The, whatever it was. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, but and, and then, you know, life gets a little better. I'm 16. I'm I'm in a house and finally we haven't moved for the past 16 years of my life. And uh Life goes on. I graduate high school. I failed the ninth grade, but I caught my grades up. All because I was, I don't know. But then at at 19, my mom passed away, and I felt like I was alone. I felt like the void, the thing that once helped me, the thing that once was there for me, the thing that once took care of me is now gone. And I'm left all by myself with all this trouble. All this trouble, all this trouble by myself, nowhere to go, smoking every day to try and fill the void, overdosing, throwing up foam because I'm trying to deal with the pain the way I see fit. Until one day I got a job and I met a man by the name of what I called Mr. Steve at the time. And he told me about this gospel message. And I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. But let me tell you something. If I got so caught up on my trouble, where would I be today? Because you know what? In spite of your circumstance, in spite of your situation, I know a God that's never going to leave you. I know a God that can fill every void. Because you know what? The trouble you're going through is for somebody else later. The things you're going through is for somebody down the road. Because you know what? I can't reach them all. Pastor Hammy can't reach them all. But baby, you can. You can. You got a testimony. You got a testimony. And God's going to use you to reach them. Your trouble has purpose. God can trust you in trouble, but you got to be willing to go through it. you got to be willing to say, all right, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'm willing, I'm available, I'm a willing vessel. Somebody all across this house, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know if you're sick. I don't know what you need. I don't know what you need, but let me tell you, God can trust you with trouble. God's trying to trust you with trouble. Come on, somebody all across this house. Somebody just lift your hands. Somebody just lift your hands before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, you need to talk and say, God, you can trust me with that trouble. God, you can trust me with that sickness the race is not given to the swift nor the battle to the strong but he that endures until the end come on somebody you need to endure that trial you need to endure that trial because there's somebody who's gonna need to hear your testimony come on somebody right now say God you can trust me God you can trust me God I'm a willing vessel Let me get my eyes on just, off of just me. Let me get my eyes off of myself. And God, I know you can use me to reach somebody. You can use me to reach somebody. Come on, somebody, I need you to just respond. Respond all across this house. Come on, come on, say, God, you can use me. God, you can use me. trust me. God, you can trust me. of comfort. He's a God of comfort. He's a God of comfort. Your trouble's working for your good! Your trouble's working for God's good!